to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app by searching for The Church at Bushland in your app store. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. All good? It's all God, so it's all good. I need you to raise your energy level. I'm going to be dependent on it. I don't know if you've ever been to a black church in the South, but you can talk back to the preacher, okay? <laughs> so we're going to be in this thing together. Uh, we're praying uh, that God would just do something special. He, he's already here. Uh, aren't you grateful for the, uh, being led in worship, how amazing that was? Come on, show us some love. What about the baby dedications? How cool was that, all right? And y'all should make some real noise for the baptisms. Come on. That's exciting. I'm going to let you sit in a few seconds, but... Uh, We're just going to go in reverse, all right? We're going to go in reverse. We'll do everything in reverse. So I'll put the podium away. And then I'll start my talk the way Jesus ends his talk in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. So I'll start my talk the way Jesus ended his talk. Then I'm going to give him an invitation. After I give the invitation, I'm going to share the gospel. And after I share the gospel, I introduce myself. All right, let's do it. Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, read this way. Those who hear these words of mine and act on them will be like wise men. What kind of men? He said, the rain fell, the rivers rose, the wind blew and pounded their house, but their house didn't fall because its foundation was the rock. The foundation was the what? So let's make sure we understood those first couple, that first verse. He said, if you hear my word and act on it, you'll be like a wise man or a woman. The rain's going to fall. The river's going to rise. The winds are going to blow. Your house will be pounded, but it will not fall because your foundation is the what? The rock. Then he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and don't act will be like foolish men. What kind of men? He said, the rain fell. The rivers rose. The wind blew and pounded those houses. And they collapsed because their foundation was the sand. And their, and their collapse was great. When it says great, it means eternal. So he says, if you hear my word and you don't act, you're a fool. You're a what? He said, the rain's going to fall. The river's going to rise. The wind's going to blow. And your house will be pounded. And it will collapse because your house was built on the sand. And the collapse will be eternal. Not just a bad weekend, eternity. Won't you join hands with the person to your left and your right? We look better together. God, I thank you for this room. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for what you're about to do. I pray for every heart listening right now. I pray that you give us ears to hear, eyes to see you. I pray that you draw us to yourself. You mess us up real bad. It's about you. It always has been and it always will be. If you agree with this prayer, repeat after me. Say, bless us. Make us a blessing. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Take a seat. What are we supposed to do now? The invitation. Let's do the invitation. There's a universal sign for surrender. No matter where you are in the world, and I've been on every continent on the planet except Antarctica, no matter where you are in the world, there's a universal sign for surrender. If you were at an ATM this afternoon and somebody ran up behind you with a gun, all of us would do the same thing. What are you going to do? Put your hands up. Go ahead, put them up. I want every person to have their hands up right now. She had her hands up fast. I see you, girly. Cute as pie. I love it. All right, I want your hands right here. Here we go. Most of what I do is with pro and college athletes, military, things of that sort. I want your hands right here. Let's start here. Let's be obedient. Hands right here. <laughs> Y'all got to follow instruction. Now, I call a play. We got to run the play. He knows where we're going. But first thing, listen, most men, when we talk about surrender, this is where we are. You see, my hands are as high as my heart is, right? It's a feeling. And you may be moved this morning, but I don't want this message to hit your feelings. I want it to hit your feet. I wanted to change the way that you walk, the way you approach life. I want Jesus to, to, for you to experience the train wreck of the gospel. But most of us, when we surrender, it's this high based on feelings, whether I'm happy or sad, whether I'm feeling emotional, I'm inspired by the baptism. Oh, it was so sweet for the dedication. Oh, I moved. Oh, that guy had a sad story. Oh, yeah, Lord, I surrendered this much based on feelings. Some of us mature in our walk and we surrender a little higher. Come on up higher with me. Right here, right? That's the one we're most used to with churchgoers, right? Church members. This is the level of surrender we're used to. You see where my hands are? It's as high as my what? Eyes are, my ears, and my head. And that's our level of surrender, right? Based on what I see, what I think, what I've heard. But true surrender has a look. You can leave the class now. What does it look like? Let me see it. That's our invitation this morning that this would be our heart's posture, not just an outward expression, but it would be truly how we stand before the living God. True surrender, beyond my feelings, beyond what I see, beyond what I've heard, beyond what I think, Lord, I completely trust you. Like a child reaching for its father, this is the invitation. This is what I will invite you to do when this talk is over. After I introduce myself a little bit, after we've shared the gospel, if you feel so led, if God has revealed himself to you, if you can hear him calling your name and he's calling you, I want you to act on the word. Be a wise man or woman, young man or young girl in this room and act on the word by meeting me here and standing before the God in full and complete surrender. Amen? All right, you can put your hands down. The gospel, the gospel, it, it's all good, baby. It's all good because it's all what? Yeah, I said it earlier. God. It's about him. It always has been, and it always will be God. I'm talking about the celebrity of the universe. I'm not talking about some of these entertainers or athletes or people who think they're God, you know, these narcissists that walk the planet that are in, you know, white, in the, uh, politics and all these other things. No, I'm talking about the real God, the real deal, the one who paid the cost to be the boss. I'm talking about the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the keeper and the creation and the creator of all, the architect of the universe and the manager of all times. He always was, always is, and always will be. Unch changed, unmoved, undefeated, and never undone. He was bruised and brought healing, pierced and eased pain, persecuted and brought freedom, dead and brought life, risen to bring power, and he reigns to bring peace. He is God. God left his fingerprint all over the world and everything that we see, all of his beauty, all of his splendor, 
This is my first time in West Texas. I've already stopped at the donut stop. I haven't got a chance to eat it yet. It's on the seat. I can't wait to find out if the rumors are true. But he's left his mark in this room as well. He's left his fingerprint on each and every one of you. And God, we know after God created all these beautiful and amazing things, the oceans deep, the skies, the birds, the animals, he creates man. And then God, thank you, Lord, he created woman. Amen. Then he creates woman. He gives them specific instructions. And there's only one tree they were not supposed to eat of. And you know the story. They entered the tree. And so there is the fall of man. So God and man are separated by sin. Say sin. Sin. We've missed the mark. How many of us have missed the mark? All of us. All of us have missed the mark. God has a standard. It's perfection. It's communicated in the Old Testament by the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. You have no other God before me, right? It was hard to remember all those thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. So some of y'all been to vacation Bible school. Y'all remember them all. Jesus comes in the New Testament. He explains all ten in two. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as your what? Self. God has a standard. It's perfection. All of us fall short of it. All of us have missed the mark. And so the wages of sin is what? Death. We all deserve the death penalty. I get an opportunity to do work on death row, uh, Jackson State Prison in the state of Georgia on the south side of Atlanta. It's the only prison where they do executions in the state of Georgia. When I started doing ministry there, there was 101 people on death row, one female, 100 men. Last time I was there three weeks ago before I spoke for Auburn University, there's 37 people left. And that's some of the most meaningful work that I do. When I'm locked in those, uh, they lock us in the room together. They bring them in, chain, hand and foot. I don't like seeing them chained, so they unchain them, and we're all just loose, and we're free together. Some call it death row. I call it life row. It's the G house. I get down with them, and I engage with them. There's a lot of preachers and chaplains I know who say, Shep, you aren't scared to do ministry on death row? Because you know nobody's on death row for tax evasion, right? <laughs> I tell them, no, I'm not afraid to do ministry on death row, because every audience I speak to is on death row. They just have a date. The death, is one per, the death rate is one per person. Each one of us will meet it. Statistics say every second in the world, two people die. Two more just left. Two more just left. Two more just left. Two more just left. And one day, each and every person in this room will be a part of that number. There is no reincarnation. They can make as many cartoons they want to with Disney, and they can have as many discussions online and television as they want to. There is no reincarnation. We're not coming back as a banana or a, or a chimpanzee or none of that other stuff. No. There is no circle of life for us. We're born, we die, then comes judgment, then comes eternity. That's it. I'll say it again. We're born, we die, then comes judgment, then comes eternity. That's it. If you're in this room and you're breathing, do that with me. You've made it past that one. You've been born. You hadn't quite got to number two yet. Let me just be sure everybody in the room still with me. Breathe with me. <sighs> okay, we're all right. Guess what? In between one and two is the only time you have to choose Jesus. In between your, your, your birth and you already passed that one. Before you die, it's your only opportunity to choose Jesus. You won't get a redo. It's your only opportunity to surrender all and respond to the truth of the gospel. You won't get a redo. You won't get to get to the other side and go, oh my goodness, it's real. All that stuff is for real? Okay, God, let me go back and get it right now. No, nope, it's too late. This isn't a dress rehearsal. Everybody lives forever somewhere. You're either going to spend eternity with God or separated from God. God and man are separated by sin. It's all our fault. And the wrath of God has to be satisfied. We just all agree that the Wages of sin was death. We all deserve the death penalty. And nothing we could do in our own strength can reconnect us to God the Father. 
We can't walk enough little old ladies across the street to deserve heaven. You can't be a good enough little girl or girl or boy to deserve heaven. You can't say enough prayers at night to deserve heaven. You can't give enough money in an offering to deserve heaven. You can't take enough mission trips to deserve heaven. And while I'm saying this, young people in this room, hear my heart. There are no grandchildren of God. No such thing as a grandchild of God. Only children. What I'm saying is, it doesn't matter how long your dad's been walking with the Lord. It doesn't matter how long your mother's been a prayer warrior. You must know Jesus for your what? Self. God and man separated by sin, it's all our fault. Nothing we can do in our own strength can reconnected us. All men, all men and women in this room, we need two things. We need a word from God and we need a way to God. I'll say it again. We need a word from God and we need a way what? To God. Let me give you a cheat sheet. You ready for it? The answer to both questions is the same. It's one name. You've heard it already tonight. What's the name? Jesus. What's the name? Jesus. It's the only path by which men can be saved. How? He paid the cost. God came to earth in flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The message Bible says the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Isn't that good? Jesus sees us in our mess, sees we're eternally separated from God. Nothing we can do in our own strength can reconnect us, but Jesus, I love Jesus, but, but Jesus stepped down and he came to earth and he lived a life we couldn't live, which is a perfect life. He was the greatest man who ever lived. They have arguments and debates about it on sports television all the time. Who's the greatest athlete of all time, right? They say, some say Michael Jordan. Some say uh, 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 LeBron James. Some say Larry Bird. I don't know why they would say that, but some people say Larry Bird. Some say Jerry Rice. Muhammad Ali said, I am the greatest. He was a liar. Jesus Christ was the greatest man who's ever lived. And the celebrity of the universe, the champion of all time, God in flesh, I need you to know he was God in flesh. He didn't become God later. No, he was God in flesh when he came to earth. I need you to know that because I need you to know Jesus felt it. He felt it. He knows what it's like to suffer. He knows what it's like to experience pain. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. So when you pray to God, you're not praying to a God who doesn't understand. He felt it and he feels you this morning. And he'll meet you right where you are. That's what he did. He didn't wait for us to get ourselves together. He knew we would spend eternity trying to get ourselves together. Nothing we could do in our own strength could reconnect us to God the Father. We needed a word from God. He was the word. And we needed a way to God. He is the way. Jesus comes to earth, lives a life we couldn't live. It was a perfect life. And then he dies a death that we deserve to die. We deserve the death penalty. And Jesus dies in our place and for our sins. And I need you to know the crucifix was pretty grim. They beat him. With 39 lashes, this whip was made of bone and metal and glass. They hit him. They figured out scientifically if I hit a man 40 times with it, it would kill him. So we won't hit him 40 times. We'll hit him 39 times. They tore his beard from his face. All my fellas in the beard gang just cringed a little bit. They tore his beard from his face. They mocked him. They spat upon him. They made him carry his cross. Most people who die on the cross, they, they were tied to the cross. They nailed our Savior to the cross, nailed him through his hands and through his feet. Most people think about being nailed through your hands. You think about your palm. Put your thumbnail in your palm. Go ahead. That's what most of us think about. Because of what we know about science, the average size of a man, because of the weight of the average man, if they nailed you through your palm, it would rip through his flesh. He would fall off the cross. They nailed Jesus through the heel of the hand. What you and I know is our wrist. Put your thumbnail in your wrist. Totally different ballgame. They nailed him through his, the heels of his hands and through his feet. 
They pierced him in his side, blood and water flowed, mocked him, crown of thorns on his head, hung him between two thieves, the celebrity of the universe, the greatest man who ever lived, died the worst death ever recorded. For you and for me. Most people who die on the cross die from suffocation. Your body's sunken in, your lungs fill up with fluid, you can't breathe, you die from suffocation. Now think about every time Jesus spoke from the cross, he would have had to lift himself just from the weight of the nails in his feet and in his hands. <laughs> Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. <laughs> this day, you'll be with me in paradise. You think those workouts you were doing in spring conditioning was a workout? You think what you're doing at Orange Theory is a workout? Jesus Christ wasn't some hippie skipping around in thong sandals with his friends. He was the greatest, toughest, greatest champion who's ever lived. And he gave his life for you and for me. In the most romantic proposal of all time, and he wasn't even on the knee, he says to you and I here today, will you marry me? He wants relationship with you, Deuce. He wants relationship with you, Trent. He wants relationship with you, Max. It's not enough to just know his name. He wants a relationship with you. What does he want? Relationship. He wants to go deep. He wants to be connected at his deepest level. He wants to know, will you respond to the truth of the gospel? Will you surrender all and say yes to Jesus? Some of us have said yes to all the wrong things. I've been there. I look for love in all the wrong places. I look for love in the bottom of a dime sack. I look for love in the bottom of a bottle. I look for love between the hips of a woman. I look for love in financial accumulation. I look for love in academic pedigree. None of those things were satisfying. It's blessed to play the game of football at every level, high school, college, and the National Football League. But football didn't die for me. Popularity didn't die for me. Being cool didn't die for me. None of my followers on social media died for me. But I encountered a Savior who did. Did you notice in our verses that we read, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27, did you notice both houses of the wise and the fools experienced the same weather? Because life's not a game, it's a battlefield. We're battling every single day. Some of us know it all too well. I see it on your faces. Coming here, hoping that God will give you something to help you get through another week. I know it's a battle. It's not a game. It's real in the field. We battle in this world against depravity, disease, and death. Depravity fills our jails. Disease fills our hospital. Death fills our cemetery. It's a battle. And you can't be casual about life or you're going to end up a casualty. The only thing that will secure our eternity. Everybody lives forever somewhere like we said. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiving people do. And the great news of the gospel is Jesus forgives sin. All of us have done it. All of us fall short. All of us will do it again. But Jesus, I told you I love Jesus, but, but Jesus. He comes to earth, lives a life we can live, dies a death we deserve to die. But the greatest news of the gospel is that in three days, God the Father raised Jesus from the dead. Woo! That's good news for each of us in here. 
That's great news. I like to go old school. Ricky Bobby with mine, okay? Y'all try that with me. God raised Jesus from the dead. That's great news because if God raised Jesus from the dead, that means he can raise everyone in this room from anything you're dealing with right now. If God raised Jesus from the dead, that means he can raise our country and our world from the calamity that it faces right now. If God raised Jesus from the dead, that means every lost soul in this room can be redeemed because he is who he said he is. He could do what he said he could do. Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No man's going to the Father but by me. What that means is either Jesus Christ is the Son of God or he's a liar. Either he's the Son of God or he's a crazy man. He didn't say truth was relative. He didn't say it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe something. No, that's not what Jesus taught. Jesus says, if you want to spend eternity with God the Father, you must come through me. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And so full surrender means living a life that is fully worthy of him. And trust me, he is trustworthy. I know what it's like for it's to rain. I know what it's like for the rivers to rise. I know what it's like for the wind to blow and pound your house. My father was in prison for murder before I was born. My mother was pregnant with me. My dad was drunk one night playing with a gun and he shot and killed his best friend. So I never had a dad to throw the ball around with me. I never had a dad to sit me on the knee and watch ball games. To this day, I've never seen a man shave. To this day, I've never lit a barbecue grill. I learned how to tie a tie by watching YouTube videos before I turned 30 years old. I run into athletes sometimes, they tell me their dad's too hard on them. I tell them, I wish I had a daddy to be too hard on me. All I had were nine brothers, six sisters, one mom working two jobs and absolutely no money. You heard that number right. Fifteen brothers and sisters. Nine brothers, six sisters, one mom working two jobs and no money. Now, there's a way you can help me for the rest of our time here. If I say anything that connects to you, and women, ladies, I'm not used to talking to y'all very much. I'm used to audiences with all men. But ladies, if I say anything real for the rest of our time here, if I say anything that connects to you, if I say anything that say, makes you say, Shep, I know what you're talking about, Shep. I needed to hear that, Shep. I can relate to that. If I say anything real, ladies, for the next few minutes, I want you to let me know that by saying, mm-hmm, okay? <laughs> so ladies, if I say anything real for the rest of our time here, you're going to let me know that by saying what? Okay, we on point. Fellas, y'all know y'all my heart. Fellas, if I say anything real for the rest of this time, if I say anything that connects to you, anything you needed to hear, anything that relates to you, anything you say, Shep, I'm smelling you, bro, man. I'm feeling you, bro. If I say anything real for the rest of this time, fellas, I want you to let me know that by saying, hey. So if I say anything real for the rest of this time, fellas, you're going to let me know that by saying what? Okay, we on point. You heard all that voice over there. They put a little extra on it. I love it. I love it, baby. Here we go. So Jesus dies in our place for our sins. He's raised from the dead. Woo! So we have an opportunity to be raised with him. Scripture says, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I needed to be saved. Nine brothers, six sisters, one mom working two jobs. When I say we grew up in utter poverty, I used to have to go to school early in the morning and wash my face and brush my teeth in the school's bathroom because there was no water at home. Maybe you don't know what it's like to have to take a, take a bath with shampoo or wash clothes with dishwashing liquid because I know all too well. Maybe you don't know what it's like to sleep in an Astro van parking lot, in a parking lot because you have nowhere else to go. Maybe you don't know what it's like to go four, five, six days at a time with no food in this America. I'm not from a third world country. I'm from this America and I suffered here. I don't know if you ever met one of us before. But if you ever donated to a perishable food drive, non-perishable food drive, where they give canned goods and all that stuff, I'm one of the kids that you help feed. I suffered in this America. 
My mother was very religious. She drugged us to churches all the time. Wednesday night, Friday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Y'all know black folks stay in church forever. Every, everybody was bragging on the love of God, but nobody was showing it. Everybody was singing songs like we were singing this morning. Everybody got a whole school of fish on the back of their car. And they would say things like, we'll pray for you guys. Don't pray for us. Help us. But nobody did. I know what it's like for the rain to fall. I know what it's like for the rivers to rise. I never saw a picture of my father growing up. I didn't know anybody on his side of the family. And because I didn't know who he was, I didn't know who I was. I suffered in this America. My mother wasn't strung out on drugs. That's not my testimony. My mother wasn't living off the government, just gambling our money up or smoking it up. That's not my story. God bless you if it's yours. That's not my story. My mother was working hard. She was working all night long, all day long, but she was making just enough money for us to be broke. Every month we ran out of money before we ran out of month. My mother worked all night long. Overnight she worked at Waffle House. Y'all ever heard of Waffle House? He was like, yeah. <laughs> during, during the day she worked at a gas station. Nine brothers, six sisters, one mom, two jobs, no money. To really paint the picture for the level of poverty we had, there was a foundation that sponsored my family when I was nine years old. Up until that time, although we identified as Christians, we had never experienced a traditional Christmas before in my entire life. I had never had a Christmas gift in my whole life. This foundation said they're going to sponsor our family. We see stuff like this on television all the time now. But when I was growing up, it was very rare. And they said they were going to show up in two weeks. How many weeks? All the kids could make a Christmas wish. Anything reasonable you ask for, you can have it. I thought long and hard. I wanted to make my Christmas wish count. We're growing up in the projects, but I wanted to make my Christmas wish count. I thought about asking for a trampoline. I thought about asking for a PS4. I mean, we didn't have PS4s back then. We had uh, Sega. I thought about asking for a, a games, a, a, a computer or a pair of name brand shoes, but I thought I'd better make my decision count. So at nine years old, how old was I? I looked at that lady square in the eyes and I said, ma'am, you will help me have the greatest Christmas I've ever had in my entire life if this year you would buy me a pillow. See, because at nine years old, I had never had my own pillow. And some of you cursed your parents out because they didn't buy you the new phone. Blessed and you don't even know. God's been good to you and you've been complaining for more. Till I was nine years old, I slept on my arms in this America. To this day, I have that pillow. To this day, it was the greatest Christmas gift I've ever received. Why? It was exactly what I needed. I felt hopeless and I felt helpless. That's why by the time I was 14 years old, I felt hopeless and helpless because no man in my family ever graduated high school. No person had ever been to college, let alone graduate. Nobody. I felt like I didn't matter. My life wasn't significant. The only person I thought would change the game was my father. He was released from prison when I was 12 years old. First time we met, he didn't say a word to me. He shook my hand and kept running this conversation. And it tore me up inside. I hated him. I hated all men. No man would tell me what to do. I was already a troubled kid. I went to seven elementary schools before I was in the third grade. But my life began to spiral out of control. I had no respect for anyone or anything. Teachers who didn't even believe in God would be praying the first day of school. Please don't let that boy be in my class. I walk into class, they say, darn it, I got to earn my money this year. Because I had no respect for anyone or anything. I hated myself and I wanted you to hate me too. I sat in classrooms with Christians just like yourselves. I was in cafeterias with Christians just like some of the younger, young, the teenagers in this room. You knew the cure for my issue. You knew the antidote for my disease, and you said nothing to me. That's why Jesus said, it's not enough to hear the word. You got to act on it. So thank you for showing up this Sunday morning. You look wonderful. But are you walking out the truth of the gospel? Have you left the walls of this church? 
Have you expanded beyond your home? It's more than us four and no more. After Jesus, you encounter Jesus, he wants you to encounter his people. Are you getting busy for the Lord? Are you sharing his love and his light? You were scared of me. I was scared of you. I was hopeless. I was helpless. After my best friend died when I was 14 years old in the ninth grade, I found myself the third Sunday in January, my ninth grade year, with a gun in my mouth ready to blow my brain off its stem and out of the back of my head. I don't know your salvation experience. Some of you are going to experience it this morning. I don't know how, you can, how Jesus uh, you know, revealed himself to you. But I was at home in the ghetto project department. I didn't have a preacher to preach me a sermon. I didn't have a band to play me a song. With this gun in my mouth ready to take my life, I thought it would become too difficult. I was overwhelmed. I was tired. I was ready to give up, give out, and give in. I was tired of hurting. I didn't feel like I could trust anybody. The first person from the church was my Sunday school teacher. She reached out and started sexually abusing me at 10 years old. She reached out and snatched my innocence at 10 years old. She reached out and took something from me I was supposed to have on a wedding day. And I couldn't wash her hands off of me. I couldn't wash her hands out of my mind. She told me I was a loser and I deserved every filthy, nasty, disgusting, perverted thing she did to me Sunday morning after Sunday morning. And if I could be real with you, I felt like if this is what Jesus loving the little children feels like, I didn't want his love. I'm getting ready to take my life at 12 years old. And in that moment, all I could think about is, I was so distracted by the hypocrites in the church, I never gave the God of the church an opportunity. And I'm getting ready to take my life and I'm wondering, could it be true? Could it be true that Jesus could save anybody anywhere from anything? Could it be true that he could hit a bullseye with a crooked stick? Could it be true that he came to earth and lived the life that I couldn't live and died as hell that I deserved to die? Could it be true that he has no respect to person? What he does for one, he'll do for another. Could it be true that whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? Could it be true that Jesus is the word from God and he is the way to God? Could it be true? I talked to Jesus like I'm talking to you all. I said, JC is still for Jesus Christ. I thought I was cool, you know. I said, I'll put my trust in you one time and one time only. And if you're not real, I'll go ahead and kill myself. I gave Jesus one shot to change my life. And I was never the same. He met me where I was and he changed the game from the inside out. I hadn't been to school in a week since my best friend died. We all sold drugs and gambled from the same corner of the cafeteria at the high school every single day. It was 17 guys that were high school age in the gang that I was in. How many guys? 17 that were high school age that were still in school. I went to that corner that they were all in. I called them all together. I said, hey, man, I made a decision yesterday. I put my trust in something bigger than myself. I want to graduate high school. They all started laughing because they knew no man in my family has ever graduated high school. I said, I'm serious. You can respect what I'm doing or you can kick rocks. Three out of 17. How many? Three. Said, Shep, you're brave enough to do something different. I'm with you, man. I'm not trying to be in this hood for the rest of my life either. That means how many guys are left? 14. A couple of y'all been to math class. 14. To this day, if I tell you I'm going back to my hometown to visit my homeboys, y'all know where I'm going? To the cemetery. All 14 of those guys died violent deaths. I'm not talking about car accidents. The other three, different parts of the country, living positive lives for Jesus Christ. I had no idea that the decision we made in the corner of the cafeteria at 14 years old would literally set the pace for the rest of my life. And someone in this room, I'm not talking to everybody, but I'm talking to somebody. Someone in this room, you have no idea that the decision you make today could literally set the pace for the rest of your life. 
Jesus came into my heart and he changed the game. He introduced me to a sport called football. I didn't know how to put the pads on. I had to jock, on my, jock strap on my head. I was lost. But I had the right attitude. I was applying myself in the classroom. I was applying myself on the football field. A middle school coach and a pastor from that area, they came by one of the practices and they invited me to a men's prayer breakfast. It was going to be free food. So of course I went. Afterwards, they said they wanted to send me to a camp that summer. It's one week out of the summer. It was $300-something dollars. I've cut them off because I knew I couldn't afford it. They said, no, they were going to scholarship you. And scholarship is my first cousin. So, so, so they sent me to this camp up in Black Mountain, North Carolina, FCA camp. I had never been out of the hood before in my entire life. I went up from Florida. They sent me on this charter bus up to North Carolina. Uh, they put me in the camp. Uh, my camp counselor, they call them huddle leaders, was from Kentucky, but he was in school at the University of Alabama, roll tie. His name was Sean Alexander. This is before he was the NFL's MVP. This is before he was a $64 million man. This is before he was on the front of Madden. He was just my camp counselor, this college athlete. This is why I do what I do for a living. I face my fear for a living. Public speaking is my greatest fear, like real talk. You should have saw me before I drove over from the hotel. I was telling you, I was shaking like booting me. You hear me? Scared to death. Scared to death. But I face my fear for a living because of what happened on that mountain. The second day of that camp, which day? Second day of that camp, Sean pulled me aside. He sent everybody else up the hill. He said, Shep, can I speak to you for a second? I said, cool, what's up, man? He said, I love you. My legs locked in place, tears start streaming from my eyes. I had never heard that from a man before in my entire life. First time I ever heard I love you before in my entire life was from an athlete on the side of a mountain. If you're listening closely, it should piss you off because you also heard me say I was raised in the church. First time I ever heard I love you before in my entire life was on the side of a mountain from an athlete. That's why I do what I do with athletes, because an athlete changed my life. I'm standing there crying in front of him, man. He puts his hand on my shoulder. I had been stabbed six times. I had been shot at. I had been in handcuffs. I had never been touched and loved by a man before in my entire life. I'm two for two. He looks me in my eyes. He says, Shep, don't you know that God has a plan and a purpose for your life? What? See, before salvation, I was just waiting to die. After salvation, I was still just waiting to die. I just thought heaven was my home. I hadn't been discipled, and I had no idea that God had a plan for my life right here on earth. Sean said, man, he used that huge word for me at the time. He said, man, I don't want to be like your dad. I ain't trying to be, you know, I just want to be more like your big brother, man. I want to disciple you. And he said he wanted to pour into my life for the rest of my life. He began to pour into me and teach me what it meant to be an authentic, stronger man, the type of man that lives boldly for the Lord Jesus Christ. I went on to become the first male in the history of my family to graduate high school. I went on to become the first person in my family to ever go to college. My mother dropped me off at college with two trash bags as a true freshman, 17 years old, to play for legendary coach Howard Schnellenberger. I finished with 42 Division I starts, and, in, and I graduated in four years with two degrees. I got a degree in corporate communication, a degree in sociology. I even got a minor in ethnic studies. I figured if he gonna, they're going to pay for it. I'm going to get all this worth. You smell me? In a lot of people's mind, I went from zero to hero, but it had nothing to do with how strong I was. It had nothing to do with how fast I was. It had everything to do with a decision or what? Decision or what? I made it 14 years old. I changed my mind and God changed my life. There's somebody in this room that God wants to change your life. You've been experiencing the rain, the rivers, the wind. Your house has been pounded. Guess what? It happens to us all. Life is not a game. It's a battlefield. You notice the wise and the foolish both experience the same weather. But those that have built their life on the rock, Jesus Christ is the rock. Those that have built their life on the rock, they know that our hope endures. If there's hope in the future, there's power in the present. That's good, I'll say it again. If there's hope in the future, there's what? Power in the present. God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, sound mind. What did he give us? Power, love, sound mind. What did he give us? Y'all sound good. I need to take y'all on the road, baby. Let's do it. 
power, love, and a sound mind. That's what he gives us freely through the grace of God, that unmerited favor. We don't deserve it. And I need that grace every day. I need that forgiving grace through the cross, the finished work of the cross. But I also need the assuring grace that he's still alive and he's with me every day and he will return someday. Jesus is going to return. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, it's going to be awful for you. Some of us in this room have been drifting. There used to be a song. There's a song. There's a, there is a storm out on the ocean, and it's moving this way. If your soul's not anchored in Jesus, you will surely drift away. You need an anchor. And some of you, you've been baptized. Some of you gave God your hand, a preacher your hand one day, but you've been drifting. And if you die drifting, you will perish. See, we don't do things to get saved. No. We didn't get saved by works that any man should boast. No, we're saved through the grace of God. I don't do things to get saved, but because I'm saved, I should do things. That's good. I'll say it again. I don't do things to get saved, but because I'm saved, I should what? Do things. If you say you're a believer in this room, we got to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. We've got to be consistent. He's calling us to step up, to stand out, to be light, to be love in this world, and to be the same way publicly and privately. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you I love you and that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. I want to tell you the truth. That woman that sexually abused me at 10 years old, my entire fifth grade year, my Sunday school teacher, she lied to me. She told me I was something. Y'all remember what she called me? What did she say I was? A loser. You know what I found out? We're not born winners or losers. We're born choosers. You have a right to decide what's going to happen with the rest of your life. You got a right to decide or whether you continue to try to live in your own terms or are you willing to trust the Savior? Savior, let me put it another way. You got to decide if you're going to be a boat talker or a water walker. You got to decide if you're willing to get uncomfortable. You got to decide are you going to be like the foolish in the crowd or you gonna... Do y'all know what I read to y'all from Matthew chapter 7? That's Jesus talking. He's talking to real people in the audience. Those are actual people who sat there and listened to, I ain't say the word of God. They heard it come from his mouth. And he said, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like wise people. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the wind blew, and it's going to pound your house, but your house won't collapse because its foundation is the rock. But there's a reason he had to address the other group, right? Y'all know what that was, right? Because there was people listening, not to Shep, to Jesus himself. Who still didn't turn. Who were going to walk away fools. Not because they didn't hear him. I'm talking loud. I'm sure you're hearing me. But are you going to respond to the word? Jesus says, if you don't respond to the truth of the gospel, when you hear the truth, you're a fool. Turn. 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 Athlete, turn. Unpopular, turn. Brainy pants, turn. Tall, turn. Short, 
turn big, turn small, turn gay, turn straight, turn married, turn single, turn Democrat, turn Republican, turn vaccinated, turn unvaccinated, turn. We are all in desperate need of the Savior. And we must build our house on the rock. What have you built your life on? What are you building your reputation on? What have you built your relationship on? What are you building your future on? Let's see if I've done my job well. I'm about to pray with you. Jesus says, the the wise, those that act on the word, have built their house on the rock. What is the rock? Wow, y'all a solid group. We on point. Here we are. Bonus question. If Jesus is the rock, no cheaters, what's the sand? Everything else. You notice I didn't just say sin and bad stuff. You hear me, sir? You hear me, ma'am? Young man, young lady, do you hear me? If you've built your life on anything other than Jesus Christ, it is sinking sin. And it will fail you. The only thing that is trustworthy, the only thing that will sustain you when the rain falls, the rivers rise, the wind blow and pound your house will be a relationship, a what? relationship, a what? Relationship with Jesus Christ. Will you surrender? I'm getting ready to pray with you. I'll tell you a true story. I don't share this everywhere. I shared this uh, last night. I'm gonna see if I can get through it real quick. True story, several years ago. I was speaking at a a huge event and uh, I gave an invitation, like the one we gave earlier, and I was getting ready to pray with the group. And I said, if you're in this room and you wanna accept Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, come now, meet me at the front. True story, almost 300 people got up from all over the auditorium, 300, to make decisions for Jesus Christ for the very first time. I told you public speaking my greatest fear, and I was so moved, I was emotional, I was so excited that I obeyed the voice of the Lord and responded to the call and did what God had called me to do. Because here it is, look, 300 people coming to the faith in Jesus Christ. They, they look like heaven. It was so diverse, and they get to the bottom. I have a point person who's supposed to take me to a building next door. And that's what they said. Everybody who made the decision, we were going to take them next door. So I'm making sure that the plans are still the same because there's so many people. They give me the thumbs up. I'm getting ready to pray with this group. I'm getting ready to pray with this group. And I hear a still small voice in my heart. They said, someone just said in this room, if he would have asked one more time, I would have surrendered all and given my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. I felt like a, a little greedy, Pastor. It was almost like taking up a million dollar offering and saying, let me get five more dollars. Come on. <laughs> there's 300 people here. But I had to obey the voice. Grow a keen ear for that still, small voice. I said it just like I heard a true story several years ago. I'm standing on the top platform. I said, someone in this room just said, if he would have given us, if he would have asked one more time, I would have surrendered all and given my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Wherever you are, sir, ma'am, young man, young lady, I'm saying it now. Come and surrender all to the Lord Jesus Christ. True story, several years ago. A man in the back of the room got up from where he was, had his head tucked on his shoulders, eyes fixed on his feet, almost as if he thought if he didn't continue to look at his feet, they wouldn't continue to move. And he starts coming down the huge middle aisle. Out of all places in this arena, he comes down the huge middle aisle. Now I got, man, I'm overwhelmed. My heart is moved. I'm so excited. I was obedient to the voice. Here's another soul. All of heaven rejoices for one. Here's another sheep that are about to come and meet the shepherd. I'm excited. I'm getting ready to pray with this group. We're waiting on the other guy to get here. The people, the 300 that are here already, they turn around, true story, several years ago, and they start cheering for the guy as he's making his way down, head tucked in his shoulders, eyes fixed on his feet. They start cheering from him. Now, unbeknownst to me, everybody else in the auditorium is still supposed to have their head bowed and their eyes closed, but they begin to peek out of the corner of their eyes. 
Because they wanted to see, you know, this is a neat story. They just heard this, you know, unique thing. And I'm not one of those spooky preachers like, Jesus doesn't text message me and all that stuff. But I just obeyed the voice. And people are like, man, this is pretty cool. We want to see if somebody responded. They hear the people chapping, so they want to see the person that's responded to the gospel. True story. People start peeking out of the corner of their eyes, and they begin to see the man. He was well-known. He was in his late 50s, early 60s. He was well-known as an evil, evil, despicable man. A man who was not only a drug dealer, but a drug addict. He smoked the same crack he sold for over 18 years. He was known as a very, very violent man who had been pumping poison into that community for years. He was a womanizer, had kids all across the state. And it's like those people sitting in their chairs begin to think to themselves, if it's not too late for him, if Jesus can save him, if Jesus can change him from the inside out, I know it's not too late for me. True story, several years ago, and another 75 to 100 people began to get up all over that auditorium and make their way down to that huge, down their aisles and towards that uh, uh, invitation uh, area down uh, near the front. I'm so excited. I'm overwhelmed. I got tears falling without permission. I'm so excited that God is calling more and more people to himself. I can't save anybody. I didn't save myself, but Jesus was saving souls. I look at my point person because now we got over 400 people to make sure the plans are still the same. They give me the thumbs up. I'm getting ready to pray. The other 75 to 100 are here. True story. And the man who initially a few minutes ago wasn't even going to come but responded to the unique call, he gets to the back of the initial 300. There are five steps that lead up to the platform where I was at. How many steps? How many steps? I'm on the top platform. There are five steps that lead up to where I am. This man gets to the back of the initial 300 people, but he doesn't stop there. He starts cutting through the crowd. True story, several years ago. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. He gets to the front of the initial 300. I'm getting ready to pray with the group. I had just finished looking at my point person. I see him on peripheral. The guy starts taking on steps. Before I know it, he's on the second step. He's on the third. He's on the fourth. If he takes two more steps, he's going to be on the platform with me, and we're going to have a problem. Amen? So I'm focused. I'm paying attention. I'm trying to see what's going on. True story, several years ago. There are five steps. How many steps? that lead up to where I am. He's on the fourth. I stand in the middle of the platform. This guy gets to the fifth and final step. He stops where he is. He unlocks his head from his shoulders, and I look face to face with my father. And all I could think about was how many years I was mad at my daddy for not being there for me. How many years I hated my father because he never told me my name. He never blessed me. He never poured into me. He never was an example to me. All I could think about was how many years I was mad at God for what he allowed in my life. It's like that old adage, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. In that moment, I, th I realized the entire time I thought I was waiting on God. I had no idea that God was waiting on me. And when I finally took a stand and did what he had called me to do, that he would eventually draw my father to himself. So that day, true story, several years ago, I got a chance to introduce a father I never slept a night under the roof with. A father who never told me my name or what I could be. I got to introduce him to the father that never left me. The father that never stopped loving me. The father that radically transformed my life from the inside out and gave my life meaning and purpose. What I'm saying is there's somebody in this room and you've been waiting, you've been drifting, and it's just time to turn. Jesus is not after your habits, he's after your heart. And if he can get to your heart, he can make all things new. I've been losing a lot of men in my life. My brother was murdered in January of 2020, shot four times in his chest, twice in his face. My daddy died September 2021. My grandfather, my hero, died in 2022. Last time I spoke to my father was right before I walked into my meeting with Kirby Smart in University of Georgia. We want to run. They won the national championship this year. 
Last time me and my father spoke to each other, I discipled him, poured into him, and he got completely clean. He was following Jesus, leading guys that he used to serve dope to, to the Lord Jesus Christ. My last words that I heard my father speak before he passed away was, amen, and I love you. It's not about me. Truth is, it's not about you. It's all about the word from God and the way to God. And it's all the same name. What's the name? Say it. Jesus. Head bowed and eyes closed. Let's pray. With your head bowed and eyes closed, let me ask you a question. On a scale from zero to 100%, how sure are you that if you died tonight, you would spend eternity with God in heaven? In peace. Everybody lives forever somewhere. We say good people don't go to heaven, forgiven people do. How sure are you that he's Lord of all? Zero to 100% with your head, body, and eyes closed. How sure are you that you're going to spend eternity with Jesus? That you know him in more than name only? That he's your Savior and your Lord? With your head, body, and eyes closed, let me tell you an alarming truth. There are only two answers to that question. Zero or 100. Either you're saved or you're not. Either he's Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Now, I don't take long on this part with your head by the eyes closed because I feel like if I could talk you into it, somebody could talk you out here. But if you're in this room and you say, I know I need Jesus more than I need my next breath. I've been drifting. I need to turn. And God has revealed himself to me. I can see him. I can hear him. I believe he is who he said he is. He could do what he said he could do. I know I'm a sinner. My sin separates me from God. And I'm ready to turn and accept the forgiveness, the grace made available to me through the finished work of the cross. If that's you and you're ready to surrender all, not an emotional decision, not just a head thought, but true and total surrender, completely, God, I am yours. You are mine. That's it. If that's you in this room and you say, I'm ready to surrender all and give my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, all I ask you to do, sir, ma'am, young man, young lady, is just quietly look up at me right where you are. If you, don't mean, if you don't mean it, keep your head down. Because if it's not from your heart, it doesn't count with God anyway. You mean it, bro? That's real. Only if you mean it. You mean it, girl? That's real. Only if you mean it. If you don't mean it, put your head back down. You mean it? That's strong. You mean it? Amen. That's positive. This is God. This ain't Shep. This is God. Y'all mean it? Amen. That's strong. You mean it? Amen. Y'all heard the invitation already. That's it. I'm not going to put a mic in your mouth. It's all about you just doing business with God and saying, God, I completely surrender. If you're looking up at me and you mean it in your heart, I invite you. I'm trying to talk you out of it. But if you say there's nothing you can do to talk me out of it, shut. I'm joining the Lord's team. I'm ready for him to change my game from the inside out. I want my name to be written for all of eternity. If you're looking up at me and you mean it in your heart, I ask you to quickly as you can and quietly as you can, just quietly stand right in front of your seat right now. Stand with me right now. Go ahead. I see you, girly. I see you, girly. I see you, bro. I see you, bro. They're standing all over. Some of them taking a little while. I like that. That means you counted the cost. You should. Salvation is free, but following Jesus could cost you everything. Amen. They're standing all over. Saints, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, you got to keep praying. The devil, he's screaming, no! But the host of heaven and the angels, they're screaming, go! Because they know these young people, these people, these couples, they will never be the same again. Everybody else, keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you're standing up with me right now, you mean it in your heart. And you're saying there's nothing that I could do to turn you away from it. You're ready to go all in with Jesus Christ. All I ask you to do, I see you, girl. It's okay to cry. Godly sorrow leads to repentance, which leads to salvation. If you're saying, I'm ready to surrender all to the Lord Jesus Christ, I see you, bro. That's bold. That's courageous. All I ask you to do 
is as quickly as you can, meet me where I am right here at this altar. Come on, come on now. Everybody with your head bowed and eyes closed, if you feel somebody trying to get by you, just let them by. Come on. I see you, girly. You may be alone today. You'll never be alone another day in your life. You'll have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. John 15, 13 says, no greater love has any man than one that would lay down his life for his friends. I'm going to wait until the last one comes. Those that are in this church, y'all go ahead and cheer them on. They're all up here. Come on, show them some love. Until the last one comes. Until the last one comes. Come on. Until the last one comes. Amen. 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 This is all about God. This ain't about me. But it's got to be from your heart to God. But if it's from your heart, if you speak it from your mouth, Jesus is faithful and just. You call upon the name of the Lord, he will tear heaven up to get to you. Scripture says in John 10, 1 and 7, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. No one can snatch them out of my hands. What I'm saying is, once you get in Jesus' hands, you're in better hands than all state. You hear me? And he's ready to have you in his hands. So let's just pray together. Even if you're watching this somewhere online, you pray with us. He'll hear you right where you are. He'll meet you right where you are, but he'll never leave you the same. If there are ministry workers in here, you guys can go ahead and make your way here. We're just about to pray together real quick. Come on. If you're here, I want you to get tight. Let's get close. I ain't going to bite you, I promise. I already gave the invitation. Y'all remember what it looks like, right? Let's do it. Let's lift our hands in a sign of complete surrender. And let these words be yours to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you mean it in your heart, repeat after me. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. I know I can't save myself. Your word says, if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God the Father raised him from the dead, I shall be saved. Lord Jesus, I'm saying it now. I believe. Come into my heart. Change my game from the inside out. I belong to you now. I am yours and you are mine. And that's it. Thank you for saving, changing, transforming me. Thank you, Lord, for your salvation. I surrender all. Thank you for these that have prayed this prayer men in their heart. Lord, if a terrorist could die for a lie, a Christian must live for the truth. Help us to take the next steps because our relationship with you is personal, but it's not private. After we encounter you, you want us to encounter your people so we can grow in our faith, Lord God, and be living epistles, ambassadors for Christ. Thank you for these new births today. Thank you for these people who've done business with you. It says I'm moving, I'm moving past all the fields. I'm moving past overthinking. I'm moving past what the world has to say and what I've heard and even what I see sometimes, which is scaring the heaven out of me. Lord, I'm completely trusting you with everything because you're worthy. Thank you for these lives and these homes who have been built on the rock, which is Jesus Christ. We'll give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Bless them. Make them a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast from the Church of Bushland. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram by using the Church of Bushland. We are all about people because God is all about people. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference.